Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! Oh, my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to two-man power trip. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Well, look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid up, they knew they could kick the shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two man power trip of wrestling. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the flagship episode, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. I am your host, J.P. John Paz, and on today's episode, we have the filthy father, the dirty daddy, the former two-time Evolve World Tag Team Champion and current UWN superstar, Mr. Chris Dickinson. We always have on these past legends and past icons, so it's pretty cool the last few weeks to be getting on these current superstars and chris is definitely one of them if you haven't heard of him by the end of the next couple weeks i guarantee you will because uwn primetime live every tuesday on fight tv and of course on your traditional in-demand pay-per-view as well he's been dominating he's been on an undefeated streak he's been absolutely killing it over there and he beat Peter Avalon of AEW fame in the first round of the UWN World Title Tournament. And the second round, he is going to face Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young. And if he moves into the finals, it will be either against Sean Devari or Mike Bennett. So it's definitely one of those things to keep an eye on for sure. UWN right now is just absolutely on fire. Their presentation is great. The wrestling is great. They've been able to really hit a home run and hit it out of the park with Dave Marquez in charge, who knows his studio wrestling and knows how to do it right. They have certainly been on a roll, and there's no doubt about that. In this interview, we will talk not only UWN, we'll talk about his entire career going back to Evolve, what it was like wrestling for WWE during Access and WrestleMania weekend, any Ring of Honor plans. He was wrestling for them basically only once, and kind of we'll find out what happened there. We'll talk all about his storied history with intergender wrestling and how years ago he was hated for it, and now he's absolutely loved for it. So it's a bittersweet conversation about intergender wrestling, that's for sure. Also, we will talk about many other things, including blood sport. 
Josh Barnett, John Moxley, Matt Riddle, and all the things in between. We will talk about everything going on as far as his career right now during the pandemic, the independent wrestling scene, Beyond Wrestling, GCW, Game Changer Wrestling. So I think you're really, really going to enjoy this one. It is really a fun chat. Chris is a great guy and he's got a great sense of the business with an old school mindset and he has a strong style for sure background now as far as the tmpt business you go to tmptempire.com you can follow me on twitter and instagram at two man power trip and you can follow all the other podcasts including taskmaster talks with kevin sullivan pro wrestling 101 with just incredible talking tough with rick bassman taking you to school Dr. Tom Pritchard, University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel, the Triple Threat Podcast with Shane Douglas, Trump Mania with Blavi Marglin, and so many more. So just go to the website and find out more. So um, before I send it off to, to the interview, I want to send it off to some two-man power trip of wrestling business. But last but not least, just want to mention this again, UWN Primetime Live, Fight TV, and via in-demand pay-per-view. Check them out every Tuesday night. So now without any further ado, send it on over to the interview with the two-time Form Evolve World Tag Team Champion, the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Michael, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Right. Joining us on the line right now is a former Jersey All-Pro World Tag Team Champion, a two-time former Evolve World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as the Filthy Father or the Dirty Daddy, UWN star Chris Dickinson. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Doing good. Now, you feel like your name's been all over the place lately, and it's funny because, you know, you think wrestling world right now, the, the pandemic, COVID's going on, it's just been crazy. But how have you been, and, and what have you been up to? It feels like UWN is kind of taken off with a vengeance, and you've been at the forefront of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, UWN started their show primetime live. I think it's run about seven weeks or it's coming up on eight weeks or nine weeks we're somewhere around there and um, luckily i've uh, been involved since the conception so you know i've been rather busy i also work for a company called game changer wrestling gcw which has been pretty busy the last 
few months throughout the pandemic, trying to be as busy as humanly possible, you know, as, as much as it could be. And uh, I think that really is just comes down to my, my character and my, uh, you know, my point of view and I need to survive. This is my job. I was living, making a pretty good living off of independent wrestling. You know, a lot of people scoff at uh, independent wrestling. They assume people get paid very little, but I, I was doing rather well um, considering my position and where I was at with independent wrestling before the pandemic. So I've been lucky and fortunate enough, but also I worked very hard to get into that position where I was at before so that you know, when opportunities did arise during the pandemic, you know, I was one of the first people to go and, uh, and start, you know, reaping those benefits. So, you know, it has to do with just staying busy, um, staying in the gym, staying in heat, even when, there, when the gym was an option, trying to find a gym that I could go to that was, you know, private or training any way I could, and just keeping your, your head in the game, keeping focused, and just keeping, keep, keep on moving forward and, and not harping on the bad things. You know, this, the world is what you make of it, and I just I didn't want to kind of fall into this, into that, that uh, routine of misery, which was kind of affecting everyone. It still is, honestly. So, it's, you know, kind of, kind of just do my own thing to, to stay productive. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you, WN, a primetime live is available Every Tuesday via Fight TV or via in-demand pay-per-view. Like you said, they've been going on for a couple weeks now, and they've kind of really been picking up steam. I feel like you have been on a quite a roll on undefeated streak, and really the UWN title tournament is in full swing. You were the first one to advance. You beat Peter Avalon in the first round. So how do you think you've been doing so far? Um, I think I've been pretty much dominating uh, in the United Wrestling Network as far as uh, primetime live, I mean, and, and championship wrestling from Hollywood, but as far as the UWN title tournament goes, yeah, I got past the first round. My next round's coming up on Tuesday. I have Fred Rossum, um, you know, so I'm focusing on him. And, uh, you know, I want to do exactly what I said I was going to do. I want to win the whole thing. And I want to, you know, prove to people that, that there there is success to be found in the, the darkest of times. You know, the pandemic is, has been rough on all of us, but, you know, like I said, this, this world is what you make of it. You know, I'm my own master, and uh, i got to take care of business for myself. So, you know, when it came down to this this opportunity and it came, came down to the UWN, I went in there just with my head, you know, fixated on being number one. So this is a perfect opportunity for me to prove myself to the company, to the world, as, you know, the, the, the guy who could carry the torch for it. And you've been really, really, like you said, dominating uh, UWN and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood on quite an undefeated streak, really been on an absolute roll. Like you said, Fred Rosser is, is next. What do you think about this tournament? Obviously, the brackets have changed since, uh, you know, two weeks ago. They've really changed over the last week. But what have you been thinking about this world title tournament? Well, first of all, I, I have a, I do have a lot of respect for a lot of all the talent involved. There's a lot of really good wrestlers in this tournament. Um, even the guys that were, you know, re- re- replaced someone else for whatever circumstances, everyone is uh, on a pretty high level. So I think it's a good, a good mix of competition, a good mix of styles, a good mix of, you know, backgrounds, guys from different places. You know, you got. Uh, there's some veterans, very accomplished people involved. So I like the idea of the kind of, uh, you know, a hodgepodge of people or a mishmash kind of. It's all, all pretty solid, solid talents that have, like, really, you know, pretty good decorated backgrounds. Do they tell you why, uh, like, a shift in the bracket? Do they give you any of that info, or are you just focusing on the next round? Uh, just kind of focusing on the next round. I mean, whatever I, I you know, heard or whatever, I, I'm not, you know, willing to disclose that information. It kind of just is a matter of, uh, you know, people got personal things or somebody had something else come up or there was a scheduling conflict, you know. So Darren Young, a.k.a. Fred Rosser, I mean, everyone should know him from his time in WB, really kind of making a name for himself out on the West Coast. He's been on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. What do you know? What do you think about him just overall and in, in this tournament? I've wrestled actually. I've wrestled Fred before, and um, personally, I think he's a great guy. Um, I think he's an incredible wrestler. I think he's he's. I mean, look at the guy. He's obviously a really solid athlete. He's in unbelievable shape. He takes great care of himself. Um, 
he's uh he's I got nothing but respect for the guy. So I'm I'm not taking him lightly. I know he got a little banged up in his last match. I know his arm and his elbow took some damage. I know uh Redbeard was just you know, relentless or he got himself DQ'd and just tried to break his arm. So obviously Fred has a target on uh, on a body part and that is going to definitely play into my game and I'm sure he's prepared to have to defend that, but you know Good luck against that against me because when I pick apart, you know, professional wrestlers that I have to get into the ring with, I I look at body parts, I look at things like that, I try to put together a game plan uh, before I wrestle anybody, and uh, he kind of just he's 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 wounded, so again, I'm gonna have to attack accordingly. With you, I was talking to David Marquez. This is even before Primetime Live started. And I said, oh, who's one person you've got your eye on, one person to look out for? It doesn't have to be West Coast, could be East Coast, wherever. Who is it? And he mentioned you, and he said that you're a guy to look out for. What do you kind of think about that and, and you being somebody on the radar, but maybe not in, on a global scene, but obviously Marquez, and a lot of people know who you are. So what do you think about kind of your stature on a, on a worldwide level? I mean, I was really pleased with exactly what I was doing before the pandemic and the direction in which everything was going. Um, like I said earlier, I'm, I've been blessed and I'm lucky that things are going well considering the current circumstances of the world, but that has to do with all the hard work I put in going into, you know, this year and where this year was supposed to be going. So, um, yeah, if you want me to be honest, like I, I do believe that I deserve to be on that level, and I do believe I do believe that I am someone who should be on everyone's radar, and I, I believe I am in some capacity. It's just uh, it's a matter of um, what I want to do with my career, where I see my career going, and how I present myself uh, based on on those factors. You did say that UWN saved you. What did you kind of mean by that, the primetime life? Well, you know, I've been, like I said, I'm very lucky. I work for GCW, and GCW has been pretty active. But like anything right now, anything that comes along and is creating work for you or, you know, creating consistent work for you definitely is a, is, is a kind of like a, a gift-wrapped, you know, special package that you get in the mail and you can't wait to open it because it's like we're in, we're in – I went from wrestling like four times a week, three to four times a week to wrestling not at all. So, you know, United Wrestling Network creating these opportunities to work definitely been a a big help for me financially and just for, you know, keeping my name out there, keeping busy, um, working for such a great team, uh, such a great production crew. The show is such an overall great production period. I mean, you know, you watch it. It uh, it looks so good, and it's it's awesome to see yourself back, uh, you know, being produced so well. So uh, it's like I said, it's 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 better than sitting at home doing nothing, which is what a lot of wrestlers are doing. But like I said, going into this thing, you had to have already had momentum kind of before. So like I, I I'm not saying like I expected things like this to happen, but I but I, I definitely did before the pandemic. Okay, if it's if if there's a company out there that's going to start a new show during it, definitely talk about uh, a safety net. You know, somebody's out there just kind of throwing a hand into the water while you're while you're getting you're getting dragged under. Because yeah, the business is taking uh, taking a beating. The Indies have not had it easy the last few months. So anything where someone like myself, an independent contractor, could find work is definitely much appreciated. <laughs> Good point. What do you kind of think of that that status, independent contractor? I know that's out there so much lately. I don't know if you have a, a thought on that or not, but so many of the wrestlers are saying, it's, you know, it's a certain thing. Maybe a certain promotions say it's a different thing. What are your kind of thoughts on independent contractor status? I, 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 I uh, you know, I'll, I'll repeat something I said earlier about how I absolutely loved my status and where I was at with uh, my career before the pandemic because I was independent, I had the freedom to do so many different things and I was working for so many different promotions all over the world so regularly, you know, that it offers a variety of work. It offers, you know, a variety of wrestling it offers a variety of travel. So you're never really in the same place 
too often. You're always mixing it up, and you're always uh, working with different people, and you're always working in front of different audiences, companies that represent different styles. I could be wrestling in Mexico for AAA or The Crash, or I could be wrestling in Japan for Zero One, or I could be wrestling for Beyond Wrestling in uh, Northeast Massachusetts. Um, I like that. Um, I like the way it works. I like the way I, I was getting paid. I liked everything about uh, where independent wrestling was and where it was going. Now, the pandemic happened. Obviously, all of that changed. So many of the factors have, have shifted, and so many things have, have been altered. So, so much of this is just totally different. Um, so, you know, the people that have guaranteed contract money, Good for you. If you were, if you're one of those people that went into this thing having uh, work with a company like WWE or AEW, yeah, I mean, God bless you. But somebody like me, no, I don't have that same luxury. So, you know, I like hustling. I liked the hustle of the, the, the independent working as an independent wrestler. Um, I just, like I said, it's it work is limited. So, what do I think of that status? I mean, yeah, there's some point where I love it, you know. Now there's some point where it's like, hey, I, I should definitely be trying to finally find that that solid, um, you know, job in professional wrestling. With you, and I feel like the name is it's so popular, really primarily maybe on the East Coast, obviously you make it a global name now, but getting your start on the East Coast – big hotbed always uh, for professional wrestling. When you kind of got into the business, were you always a, a big wrestling fan? Is that something you always wanted to do? Did you always want to become a professional wrestler? Oh, yeah. I had a clear idea of the wrestler I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and how I wanted to play it out um, for a very long time. It just took a long time to actually manifest it and put it together and execute, you know, because I had to get better. I had to learn. I had to improve. I had to put my time in on the road. I had to pay my dues. I had to work for, for years for nothing. So I love professional wrestling more than anything. People will ask me sometimes, do you ever get sick of this stuff? Because every day I, I'm watching tons of wrestling or I'm, talk, I'm always, my, my life is wrestling. And I, and I say, no, I'm never going to get sick of it because when I learned to accept that it was my life and this is what all I ever wanted to do is when things started really clicking for me and coming together. Whereas for a couple of years, uh, you know, maybe I was, I was still in school. I was trying to maybe get out of wrestling, thinking about another career. Um, I almost became a fireman at one point, uh, which had a lot going on. And I, my head wasn't completely in the game and, or understanding the fact that I am a professional wrestler. This is my trade and this is my, my job and my life. And when I finally kind of came to terms with that uh, is when I really feel like my career started to flourish faster than it ever had before. So, I mean, and that's a no-brainer. It's just, you know, that was just me going through the battles in myself of, you know, being afraid of failure uh and wanting to have a backup plan and maybe thinking about this maybe isn't going to be the route for me. No, it's either, you know, you want something, you have to want it completely. And something like professional wrestling requires, for me at least, you know, I fell in love with pro wrestling more the last like year and a half, two years than I ever have my whole life. So, you know, I have a good relationship with it as a fan and as a professional involved in the business. And I like to keep it that way. So, you know, I uh, I love pro wrestling. It's it's all I've ever wanted to do. Who are some of the guys you you know you're saying you're watching tape and stuff? What are you watching now? Any anything in particular? Oh, I watch tons of uh, Japanese wrestling. That's always been kind of uh, my my bread and butter as far as watching wrestling. When I when I started getting into the tape trading when I was in high school, like early high school, 2001 too, I started buying videotapes and. Um, trading videotapes with other people that were like into ECW and then I got into the Indies and then I started finding Japanese wrestling tapes. My, my whole like, I guess my whole like, the whole way, the, the entire way I watched wrestling changed, I guess, around that time. I I started to, and I've come to terms with it recently. I've started to figure out how I changed and why I like what I like. And I came, it came down to the idea that I always was into the tapes and was into the compilations and was into like, uh, you know, the individual shows and, and things like that. And and then I realized, you know, the way I like to watch wrestling now and how I always have liked it over the, all the last, you know, say 15 years, I like matches. 
I like to watch matches. I'm I'm not like the type of person that likes to watch television shows. So I'm not like gonna sit down and want to watch an entire episode of Monday Night Raw. I got out of that kind of early uh, when I was like a freshman in high school, almost. And uh, I'm the type of person that likes to like micromanage everything I watch. So I know like I'm gonna watch some of these matches. I'm gonna watch some of this. I'm gonna watch some of that. I watch a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling. A lot of new New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's the most contemporary stuff I watch on a regular basis. I keep up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, but I watch a lot of uh, old New Japan Pro Wrestling, a lot of old UWF, UWFI. Obviously, if you follow me on social media, everyone knows like, I've, 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 for years I've been watching all Japan Pro Wrestling like a madman. Um, Pro Wrestling Noah was my favorite wrestling promotion on earth for years. Uh, that was something I, I, you know, indulged in for a long period of time. I really like Joshi a lot. I like I watch a lot of old All Japan Women's uh, of the Sendai Girls. That's a Joshi company I watch a lot. I follow Marvelous Ice Ribbon. I try to follow a little bit of everything. Um, as far as now, like the more contemporary stuff, I try to keep up on what's available to watch. But if I see something and I and I want to watch it, I you know I'll I'll watch it. But like uh, you know, mo- mostly a lot of New Japan lately has been has been what I've been watching. A lot of old New Japan and and new New Japan. Have you had like thoughts of like I really want to get over there? I really want to wrestle for New Japan? Is that ever a thought crossed your mind? Oh no, absolutely. It's uh, it's definitely um, it's definitely my main my main goal. To be honest, uh, I wrestled in Japan. And um, I wrestled for a couple of different companies, and I saw, you know, exactly how it worked over there as far as where I was at, and I started to really, you know, get it in my head that I was like, oh, man, there's, there's, I really felt positive about working for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I was like, okay, I just have to find a way to put the, the wheels in motion. So that that ultimately really is where I want to wrestle. Um you know, if everybody has that idea, I'd love to go to AEW or WWE or whatever. I, I I have my sights set on working there, so you know that's why I follow it so closely. Not just for for that fact, but for the fact that, it, in my opinion, they are the the pound for pound best solid pro wrestling company on that you know giant scale and le- a huge level that they're on. They, they offer pro wrestling um, and they present it in a way that um, the other big companies just they they simply can't contend with. I feel like you versus Tomohiro Ishii would probably be like an ideal matchup. I don't know if you agree or not, but to me, just thinking of it, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a match that uh, a lot of people on Twitter usually are always like, I'd love to see you wrestle Ishii. I'd love to see you wrestle Ishii. I was watching an old Ishii match the other day, actually, him versus Yuji Nagata, probably from maybe like 15 years ago or so. It was yeah, Ishii is definitely, I think Nathan would have a a pretty bananas match, probably hit pretty hard. Yes. I feel like for whatever reason, he always gets overlooked, maybe because he never won the, the IWGP World Titles. But I don't know why he always gets overlooked, but he might be the best guy or one of the best guys, at least top three over there. He's just amazing. I mean, you could you could cycle out a top three consistently, you know, month by month of guys that are on that roster that are constantly producing and always producing consistently year after year after year. I mean, this year alone, even, you know, considering the situation, someone like Minoru Suzuki, a man in his 50s, is having like a career year putting on, you know, some of the best matches he's put on in a long time. So, like I said, over there, especially in a company like that, those guys get the opportunities to tell their stories in the ring. They get their opportunities to be professional wrestlers, and, you know, they offer a professional wrestling uh, you know, product. That's what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. They they don't they they don't uh, you know it, it, they're not selling. Uh, I'm not watching New Japan Pro Wrestling to watch Dancing with the Stars. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh yeah. It's it's, it's I'm not watching primetime television um, and switching the channel back and forth to like you know the Home Shopping Network and and American Idol. Um, I I want to watch some solid pro wrestling. That's why I I turn on New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know. I feel like, and it's funny too because it's like from 2000 maybe 12 2013 on they've just on fire. They can lose guys left and right, but it doesn't matter. The next guy up. And they just consistently put out probably the best wrestling product out there. And look at their look at their uh, their their system of developing talent and and the way they grow their their homegrown talent. Look at the look at the young lions on both sides of the coin in Japan at the dojo in Japan at the dojo in LA. You have a 
you know, these guys are being trained by some of the best wrestlers in the world, period. I mean, you have, like, the guys in the, in the United States are trained by Katsuyori Shibata. Um, and you, these guys are being trained well. They're in a great environment to develop as solid pro wrestlers. The growth is focused on long-term. Not so much, you know, you always hear these rumors. Think, think about New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, you always hear, everyone's always talking, oh, they're going to open up a performance center in England. Or they're going to open up a performance center in Japan. That's the goal. That's the goal. Everybody's always, there's always those rumors going around, right? Have you ever heard those rumors? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yep. Okay, well, when does it ever actually happen? New Japan has a facility in America. They have uh, young lions in America. They have talent that they've been developing in America for years now. So they obviously had a plan that they were executing to get involved in this country for a long period of time, and they did it. They, they're they here. They have an office in this country. So, you know, that says a lot about, you know, the way they grow uh, their business and the way, they, you know, they plan. And I, I just I, – it's it's very respectable to me. I, I look, look at the way that they've handled everything throughout the coronavirus outbreak. And, and that's just not uh, – on them, that's on a lot of the companies over there that have done a great job with, uh, you know, getting back to running live events and the way that they've gotten to, you know, run at half capacity and, you know, stardom charging uh, hundreds of dollars a ticket apparently, and and they're still selling out shows at half capacity. So it's 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 just it's very admirable. Whereas over here, things are just like such a mess. The fans can't even get on the same page. People can't agree on this, this and that, this and that. So. Like I said, it's it's enjoyable to watch something that's really like seems like it's got it together, you know. Definitely, and those fans—they've been wearing masks forever. I mean, man, they used to watch tape in the '90s <laughs> from yeah. Japan, and they had the mask on. So, I yeah. mean, they've had that culture for a long time. Yeah, that's that's part of the culture over there. I remember when I was in Japan, I definitely had a couple double takes on like the train. Sometimes I'd look around and be like, everybody's wearing a like a, a surgical mask or a doctor mask or something. I was like, okay, I get it, but it's like, well, whatever. I little did I know when I got back by March, it would be everybody, and especially where I live. Well, you're in Nazareth Park. So same thing, yep. you know, we ain't going nowhere without that mask. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Man, I went out the other day and I forgot it. Thank God I had an extra one in my car. I like, I was like, oh my God. You know, yeah. as soon as I walked out of my car, people like staring like, oh, 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 he just got it on his mask. Quickly hopped back in and grabbed it. So yeah, I definitely know the feeling. You got to have the mask. Especially yeah, around here. Have one around. I've actually made good use of the bandana. I like the bandana. Oh yeah, true. And I like the gators too. They're they're good, and you can kind of slide them up and down. Yeah, yeah, those are cool. I gotta get one of those. But the mask, the ones that go on the ear, I'm not like oh, I don't like those. Yeah, I don't like them either. Uncomfortable. My head is too big. <laughs> now, as far as some like American guys, you said you you know you were always a big fan. Do you fan of any kind of American wrestlers, or are you really oh, kind of just no, more of fan of? Kidding me? I just go on forever uh as far as like what now like new newer guys or old you know my overall favorite wrestlers ever yeah like old school guys yeah oh man uh i'm obviously like i wouldn't be in this position or even have i don't i think obviously the first image or anything i fell in love with a comic book like hero is hulk hogan obviously uh then that i i kind of like gravitated towards as a kid the ultimate warrior the british bulldog uh the, the legion of doom the road warriors Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I mean, Ric Flair was such a, I think, like a pivotal moment for me as a kid where I started really, like, taking wrestling seriously. It was like, it was like after, a couple of years after, maybe like 97 or 98, but I got the tape of Starcade 93 with Ric Flair versus Vader. And uh, I started to, like, really pay attention to what Ric Flair was, like, really all about. And it was when, like, he was feuding with the NWO and a little like Roddy Piper, the Macho Man, all that stuff. But, I mean, my favorite, uh, my favorite guys, obviously, are like the foreigners that went to Japan and kicked a lot of ass, like Doctor S.C. Williams. He's like one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Uh, I really like Scott Norton. I think like he is like he is wildly underrated. He doesn't get like a, nearly as enough credit as he probably should. Um, but regardless, he's he is one of the most decorated gaijin in like the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Probably the most. He's probably the most decorated gaijin, the most successful, you know, consistent-wise of anybody that's ever worked for New Japan. Um, obviously, Terry Gordy is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. 
Uh, Doug Furness, Dan Crawford, they were like, that's two of my all-time favorites. Uh, I, when I was like, I was a kid, I was a huge fan of Rob Van Dam and Sabu. That was like, that was like a, a whole, that was like a, a movement, a religion to me when ECW was happening, and I got into that in like junior high school. Uh, Rob Van Dam was like such a favorite of mine. Um, God, the Indies. When I got into the Indies, the Indies was huge, man. Loki, Xavier. Uh, American Dragon, Homicide, but I mean, my number one though, and I still to this day, I like I, I'll still talk about him like a fanboy. Samoa Joe, I mean, you know, he's <laughs> Samoa Joe is Samoa Joe, in my opinion, had the best match ever to take place in the indie wrestling is uh, against Kenta Kobashi, the Ring of Honor match. Do you remember? Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. So New York, Samoa, New York City. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, Samoa Joe was was on, was a, a different level. He was on fire, too, that year. Oh, man, he had so many good yeah. matches. I mean, for a long time, but that year, he was like, holy crap, yeah. really, County's coming out party. Yeah, another name I never really mention enough, but I really do love him. Uh, I never mention him, actually. He never comes up in conversation because people always lump the same, like, Japanese-style kind of wrestlers together. AJ Styles. I mean, what a career AJ Styles has had, right? I mean, from, like, being a guy that was, like, doing jaw-dropping, breathtaking stuff on the indies that, like, you never saw before and couldn't believe, you couldn't believe you saw somebody move like that to, like, a couple months ago, he's doing that, that uh, the Boneyard match, you know? It's like, that's inspiring, you know? A guy like, that, uh, you know, putting those two names together. And people say, like, what's the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal of, of being a pro wrestler? You know, a lot of things nowadays, you see a lot of talent get gobbled up really fast. They get sucked into the WWE system, like, overnight, and then they're, they're kind of just, like, sitting there, right, purgatory or however it works. Look at these guys like Samoa Joe and, like, AJ Styles, for example, right? I don't know. I guess you could say Brian Danielson, I guess, falls into that category somewhat. Um these guys were so successful and they were so uh, well-traveled and seasoned. By the time they got to the WWE, they were already like 40 years old and they immediately just, you know, achieved great success in these positions because they were prepared to seize it, you know. And watching uh, the career of Samoa Joe or like an AJ Styles, that's the most inspiring to me because, you know, you do feel... Like, oh, I just turned 30, I'm 32 now, or so. I get a little too old. It's like, accomplished. Look at the time it took for them to get into that position. You just got to keep on doing it, you know. That's basically all it comes down to. Yeah, and uh, AJ, really, when he went to New Japan, that was, you know, and won the title pretty much instantly, uh, the IWGP world title, that was one of those things where it's like, wow, look at him. He can do that style very seamlessly, very easily, and really kind of put himself back on the map. I mean, that was just an amazing run. I think people forget about his run in New Japan. Oh, I mean, that was a huge run. Because he was like, I guess TNA was kind of like falling apart at that point. Or yep. teetering. Like, and then he went there, and then he kind of caught fire again. Listen, AJ Styles. AJ Styles is going to do AJ Styles. He's so good at pro wrestling that he could just he could interject himself into any situation and, and be the top dog and be a, be a, be a superstar because he's just that, that good at pro wrestling. So... But that was his opportunity to show everybody like what he was all about. Obviously, it worked out for him because he was wrestling in the in the in the in the boneyard, you know, a couple months ago against you know the WWE's what the who the WWE would tell you is the greatest wrestler of all time. So I mean, AJ Styles has done pretty well for himself. Uh, yeah, for sure. And Undertaker requested to work with him too. So I mean, you can't give a you know more high praise than that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a trem- I thought that that match was tremendous. I was obsessed with it. I didn't even watch it when it happened live. I my friend finally showed it to me like weeks later because I didn't watch WrestleMania, and uh, I was like, I couldn't even believe it was real. That I, I had to watch it on my own. I had to watch it with my mom. I had to watch it with my friend. I had to. Watch- I just kept giving, making myself excuses to watch it, you know. <laughs> And I and, and I, I loved every part of it, and, and AJ Styles was was the, the 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 key component of why I think it worked so well, to be honest. Yeah, that match was awesome. Something different. You didn't know what to expect, but it turned out to be awesome. By far, but you know, the best match on that two nights, I guess you could say. But that whole WrestleMania, that was definitely my favorite match of those two nights. Yeah, it was just so fun to watch. The, from the intro with the Metallica song and the, under the motorcycle and all that 
it was it was it was so fun to watch. Now, if I could just completely change gears, because I wanted to mention this to you, because it was so interesting to me when GCW and Josh Barnett get together and they do blood sport. I wanted to mention this to you because it's so cool and it's so different. It's so unique, so fresh. Obviously the boneyard match is different, unique in a completely other way, but blood sport, what did you kind of think? Because this seems like, boy, this is right up your alley. Is Josh Barnett kind of reach out to you and say, Hey, you are perfect for blood sport. How, how did I end up working with Josh Barnett? Yeah. Bloodsport, basically. Yep. So I, I actually wrestled for blood sport when it was, it was, Matt Riddle uh, was name was on the show, the first time they did it, and then the next year, Josh Barnett was going to get involved, and t- the truth is, Josh apparently didn't uh, didn't know who I was, so he wasn't sure about me, and was kind of doing his own thing, and I we I heard that he was booking it and taking the reins on the talent and this and that, whatever. I wasn't going to work the show. I wasn't booked to work the show. I was pissed off about it. I was hot. Um, so Tom Lawler had to drop off of the show. So I got called to go do the show now. So now it's like you didn't want me the first time. Mm-hmm. Now you want me to the second. So I was actually pretty pissed off about it. And, uh, I went and I and I and I spoke with Josh that day and you know we everything was great. We had me and Andy Williams that had a, a tremendous match that night. The crowd went wild. It was a lot of fun, and I was full piss and vinegar and wanted to prove myself, especially to Barnett because I was like, "How does this guy not think I'm believable enough to be on the show or whatever?" Blah blah blah. I, I wasn't taking no for an answer, you know. So I was going to go out there and I was going to, you know, show him. That, you know, this is why you don't leave me off these shows. The next event, Josh was like, I'm going to wrestle Chris. And uh, me and Josh, obviously, you know, we became friends and, you know, tra- now we're training together and we're, you know, quite friendly. Uh, he's a great guy. Josh is, and, 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 there, and I wouldn't have had the, the story work any other way. That's how Barnett is. You know, if I had to prove myself to him, so be it. That's fine with me. I don't mind that at all. In fact, I like that. I welcome that. I welcome having to actually go out there and prove to people you know, I am a great wrestler. You know, it's, I, 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 I'm not much for Twitter, not much for social media. It's, I, I get it. I have fun with it. But um, where I shine is in the ring. So if I have to go out and show you what I'm capable of, by all means, I, I will accept the challenge. And uh, you know, if and I kind of saw how that worked over the year with Bloodsport. You know that I, I wrestled Josh. Uh, we had a tremendous match, and then uh, you know, preparing for the match with Moxley, I was chosen to wrestle Moxley. Uh, I was training with Josh. I was out. We were training together for for a week. I was out there in LA, staying with him and training with him. And I'm saying to myself, well, you know. I got myself in this position because of hard work, because of wanting to prove that uh, I belong and I'm good enough with my pro wrestling, not with my mouth, not with my thumbs on a phone screen. Um, and now I'm learning catch wrestling from basically, you know, this guy who has had these these skills and these techniques passed down to him from some of like the literal people that have invented this, that have created this stuff, the greatest of all time. I'm one degree of separation between Carl Gotch and Antonio Inoki right now. So it's, I'm feeling pretty good about where I've gotten myself based on my pro wrestling, you know. It's amazing. And then to go from, eh, I don't know if this guy is believable, I don't know if I want him to then wrestling you and really wanting it, and then a main event against Moxley, who's one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, that match itself was pretty wild when you think about it. I almost had to, like, you know, it's different when you're the person the same way or, you don't, you know, you kind of, like, you could take a step back and be like, whoa, this is cool. But I started to realize people were really paying attention to that match and they knew it was happening. I got, when I started, like, little things started happening, like, it sounds, like, really cheesy. I'm not, like, saying it to brag. I'm just being honest. Like, I got noticed in, the, in my local Dick Sporting Goods, and I had the mask on, too. <laughs> I asked, like, a guy to take down a pair of boxing gloves from, like, a tall peg on the wall. And he was like, oh, uh, is that Chris, by the way? And I was like, oh, God. And then, like, uh, someone talked to my mom at her job. Uh, my mom was talking to someone about pro wrestling. 
I came up somehow and they knew who I was. I, I started noticing people knew about my neighbor uh, came up to me one day and was like, hey, I saw this thing about uh, you wrestling, this guy John Moxley. And I was like, oh, this match is really getting some traction or there, there's a lot of eyes on this match. And you got to think about it. Even back in the day, nothing like this ever happened before. It wasn't like a WWE champion or a WCW cha- or a TNA champion. Maybe TNA kind of worked with the Indies a bit. But to this level, like, AEW is much bigger than TNA. And uh, to have the champion come and work on an independent car and, you know, in the main event, and this is obviously a huge opportunity for me and a big match in general. So I, I took a step back and I started to realize, like, wow, this is actually really cool. Like, this is, this is a pretty big deal. Huge, huge deal. And I love it. You're getting recognized, uh, you know, at your local stores there. That's awesome. I thought it was kind of funny, yeah. I'm not, like, one to be like, hey, look at me. But uh, I was like, uh, yeah, well, that's cool. I'm like, the guy's like, oh, uh, you, is your name Chris, by the way? And I'm like, ah, uh, you like wrestling, huh? <laughs> it's like, you, gotta, you know who I am. You have to really like wrestling. <laughs> hey, you're getting some mainstream pub. But you're starting to, you know, get out there to, to the masses, which is great. Keep it going, man. <laughs> You know, it's funny, like, if you think about your career years ago, obviously you're going to remember this, but uh, when you were doing the intergender wrestling before it was cool, before it became popular, I remember there was, like, not hate, but people were, like, getting angry at you about it. Oh, I can't believe it. Now it's popular, and and it really became super popular. What are, you know, your thoughts about intergender wrestling and how you did it before, and it was criticized, and now it's very popular? Yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say I'm bitter about it, but it is kind of like, oh, God, like, really? Like, you know, I definitely feel like, you know, people will disagree. They'll agree to disagree. People will disagree with me when I say I think it hurt my career, or I think there was instances where obviously it may have done damage to my to the perception of my character or my uh, in-ring ability. Um, but I think it did in some respect. Um, how do I feel about it overall that it's become more accepted and it's more widely popular? That was just a given. That was going to happen, you know? Um, and I feel good about that. I feel good about that for, you know, for intergender wrestling. I feel good about that for the girls more than anything else because the whole point was just to give uh, girls that maybe didn't have an opportunity to show their abilities against other girls, uh, against someone like me who could help them shine more, you know? That's really what it was about, is maybe there's, there's, if you have 20 girls, there's two girls that can really go, okay? Put them with somebody who is on an even playing field with them athletically and physically, and you'll be able to see some more out of them than you won't be able to see otherwise. You know, whereas now there's a lot more solid for women's wrestling to grow in general. That was always kind of like a big part of it. I know, like, it definitely had, if there was probably times where it came off as, insane or crazy or like what are these people doing or this is like too violent or i get i totally understand where people are coming from they have that point of view or can see it that way but i always kind of looked at it also as well not trying to break kayfabe too much as a challenge to myself to be able to work with these girls and and keep it safe and still produce something that looks unbelievable you know what i mean that's that's really what it's what pro wrestling the core root of pro wrestling is all about is, you know, how safe could, could we keep this, but still without, with making it look as, you know, as violent or as wild as possible. So, you know, that's something that I am, I believe in and I stick to with my performances. Maybe not everybody does anymore, but that's something that I do. And I try to, I'll try to do that with anyone. I'm not going to discriminate against someone in the ring and wrestle them differently or treat them differently or not go as hard as someone if they're a guy or a girl. You know, everybody deserves the same out of me. Everybody deserves 100% out of me, you know, and, and I'm trying to bring people up to my level in the ring, whether you're a guy or a girl. So, you know, if I had to take some blows for that, well, it doesn't matter. It's because I took them and I did it anyways because that's what I was going to do. You know, I let my impulses uh, take control there and make those decisions, and I and I and I believe that I I did the right thing. So, you know, obviously I'm here talking to you right now. The, the, the business could get rid of me, so it, it, <laughs> it, could, it couldn't have been that bad. It, it's just to me, like you said, I could see being bitter about it because it's like I was doing this years ago, and you all were like uh, ostracizing me for it, and now you all love it. It's it's, it's yeah. definitely a flip in the face. Yeah, without without getting like too too 
details or bringing up names and stuff. Like, you know, the, the stuff that bothered me most the last few months was, like, the cancel mania stuff. Everybody got canceled. Mm-hmm. The stuff with, like, Joey Ryan, right? He had them grabbing his dick. Excuse my language, grabbing his penis. Uh, he's grabbing their boobs. He's doing this and that. And listen, I'm not knocking on Joey's shtick. It was over. People ate out of the that guy's the palm of that guy's hand. Okay, he he was he was he became a superstar. Um, but you know, then all of a sudden, some of those stories came out, and everybody you know hates the guy, and he's he's the worst ever, and this and that, blah blah blah. Did anybody ever see any of the red flags in that stuff that he was doing? But people thought like the stuff I was doing was was too crazy because it looked really real. You know, I never alluded to any sort of sexual anything with my uh, intergender wrestling. It, it's just I, I it, that stuff kind of bothered me. You know what I mean? I thought I felt mm-hmm. like I, I felt like I took a lot of uh, a lot of heat for stuff that wasn't, like, intentional or it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be seen that way. But, you know, I guess in, in a way, I, I'm an artist. We're artists, right? This is an art. This is a performance. And the way you interpret the performance is the way you interpret the performance, right? <laughs> you know? So I, I, I've, I've done my best. Am I way more – I'm very selective now with working with girls and, like, uh, I really am proud of a match I had a few months ago with Priscilla Kelly. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, for Beyond um, Wrestling. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and that match has, has has seen high acclaim, and, and people have come to me, and they've poured their hearts out about how much they love that match. And it's like, well, if, if that's what intergender wrestling is, if that's what I'm doing this for, if that's my purpose in this is to, is to give people – something to like that much or something for then I'm doing a good job. I'm an entertainer. My job is to elicit a response from these people. I'm supposed to make them emotionally respond to something that I'm doing, whether it's with a girl, whether it's with a guy, whether it's anybody, you know, and, you know, she had some controversial moments, you know, pulling out the tampon in, in her prior matches. Um, and she's done some crazy thing in her matches. Was that kind of something in your mind? Like, okay, we're, we're going to have a very, very hard hitting, very serious match. No jokey, you know, no, you know, nothing crazy you're going to do. Oh yeah. I, and I think that more so her, I think she was feeling that way too, because she's, she's a great wrestler. She's, she's a tremendous wrestler. So I think she wanted to prove to people, Hey, I'm not just like this one trick pony that pulled this tampon stunt one time. I actually care about professional wrestling. I am a professional wrestler and I want to show you what I'm capable of. And I feel like, um, you know, if, if now, now look at, look at how, if she was planning on that going into the match and obviously I'm someone that she sees that can, that can help her, uh, accomplish th- that, you know, to show the, the world that this is what she's capable of. That's an honor to me, you know, and that, that, that just says to me, well, hey, I have the respect of my peers, which is number one to me in professional wrestling period is if I, you know, if people want to work with me or if people want to step into the ring with me because they want to be brought up to my level or they want to, you know, be able to show what they're truly capable of and I'm the person to do it with them. I mean, that is, that's exactly who I want to be as a professional wrestler. That's like I said earlier, how I envisioned myself being what I envisioned myself becoming as a professional wrestler. That's, that's exactly what I want to be and who I want to be. A few years ago, WrestleMania 34 access kind of in a partnership with evolve. You defended the evolve tag team championships against Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, who are the current NXT Tag Team Champions, oddly enough. So is that kind of when you're in Evolve and you're part of Access, is it ever running through your head like, oh, this is an opportunity to get in WB, I have a goal of get making a WB, or is that not really on your mind? Is that like almost just a generic wrestling thought and that's not really in every wrestler's head? Oh, it's absolutely in your head, and I'll be honest with you, at the time, I thought there was potential that there probably was going to be something that would happen there, but... Um, me personally, like I said, I was I was kind of like my heart wasn't completely in working with Evolve at the time, and my heart was never one hundred percent with trying to work for the WWE. It, I mean, that sounds like a death sentence to come out of a pro wrestler's mouth. Well, who would ever even dare say that? I'm just gonna be honest. When I 
was 15 years old and I was 16 years old and I was dreaming of being the pro wrestler that I am now, I, I, I wanted to wrestle in Japan. That was, that was my primary, my primary goal. So when we were there, I'm not going to say it was out of my head or it was just a generic wrestling thought, but, uh, I also understand I was in a tag team. So I'm, split down the middle with someone else who has their own life going on, who has their own ideas going on of, of professional wrestling. And they're in their own position that they, that where they are trying to find themselves too. So we were not in the position to, to be, to, to, to to get, to get that opportunity wholeheartedly. I, I respect where we were put and how it worked out. I mean, let's be realistic. That was, the only official match I've ever had in a WWE ring that wasn't just before a SmackDown or something, and we won. You know what I mean? So it's pretty. It's it was pretty funny to to go there and actually defeat two contracted WWE wrestlers. Um, but you know, we were just there, kind of doing uh, work for for Evolve, kind of helping Evolve. I think impress WWE enough to eventually pick up Evolve and work with whatever talent I guess they, they're working with now that was left over from Evolve. So, you know, kind of toe on the line type stuff. We weren't the guys that they were interested in or weren't the guys that Evolve was interested in pushing towards them or, or maybe we were and we were just we weren't we weren't all there and it, and it just didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards for us. So it wasn't too long after that me and my tag team partner, uh, we kind of broke up anyways. He, he, he moved to a different area of the country, stopped wrestling, you know, settled down with more of like a normal life. And I kind of like refocused my career. And that was when things really started. The ball started actually really rolling for me kind of after that, to be honest. So, uh, I'm not going to say like, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was a fun uh, opportunity. And I, and I love, I love those guys. Any chance I get to wrestle Busick, but it was the first time I wrestled Birch. Anytime I get to get to be around those guys is a good time. I, I thought it was a great experience that day uh, when we did access, but you know ultimately it's it, it it didn't turn it didn't turn into anything else but that. So with you, I feel like Ring of Honor is always something that would fit if you know if everything worked out accordingly, especially with this pure title and them coming back to basics and them really kind of doing a pro wrestling style much more now so than they than before i think maybe going back many many years what do you think about ring of honor i know you were there in 2015 very briefly any thoughts on roh um it really would come down to having to hear what roh would have to say i almost worked with them um uh, in 2015 and i felt like they were actually one of the companies and i've heard mixed rumors and i've heard stories but they were one of the companies that kind of uh dogged me out over the Kimberly video, you know, where I gave her the, the power bomb that looked really wild. So I had an opportunity to work with them then, and then they, they never worked with me again. And I never actually got an explanation as to why they never worked with me again. Um, so, you know, I, I emailed the management a, a dozen times, never got back to me. They just completely ghosted me. And I just kind of got working with them out of my head pretty much forever. So, I do pay attention to what they're doing. Um, I I like a lot of the wrestlers that they're working with now. I like the direction in which they're going in, and they're kind of taking it back, and they're getting back to their roots a bit. But if Ring of Honor wants to talk to me, they know exactly where to find me. You know, it's it's, it's not a matter of uh, it's it's not a matter of anything else but that. If they if they want to talk to me, they, they know how to find me. Now, as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, it's a bit of a generic question, but it's something that I like because I could either go on YouTube or find some uh, wrestling uh, site or something where I can look it up. So do you have some favorite matches or favorite opponents where, you know, maybe somebody making that compilation tape could say, hey, Chris Dickinson, I want to, you know, this, this, and this, and, you know, take notes on what you're saying. So favorite match, matches, or uh, some favorite opponents? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, if you want to watch a good one, Real war, like ridiculous, not over the crazy battle was me and uh, Yuji Okobayashi, me versus Okobayashi from the first GCW uh, stop on the tour in February. That match was was pretty fun. Um, any match with Sekimoto, whether it's the one from America in 2019 or the one from earlier this year in Japan, um, the last year has been. 
he's just kind of a blur of, of, of great matches with different opponents, a variety of, of different opponents doing different stuff. Uh, all the matches I had, the first run of Uncharted Territory leading up to the match with Sekimoto, um, all the stuff I've done the last two years for Beyond Wrestling and GCW, I definitely would check out. A match I had with Nick Gage for GCW at the end of 2018, just absolutely, you know, important stuff that really was the turning point of my career, kind of getting out of just being a normal kind of guy in the, in the indies, you know, surviving off of indie wrestling, being there, but not really being like a guy yet. And I think stuff I was doing around that time, that match with Nick Gage was something that really lit a fire under me and helped me propel, start propelling to the next level to really kind of like break the glass ceiling, getting the fans behind me. Um, stuff that I've done this last year, I mean, that match with John Moxley, I thought was, I thought that was really fun. That was something I'm, I'm actually really proud of. Uh, my match with Josh, I thought was really good. My match with Josh Barnett, you know, anything, like I said, anything I've done the last like two years from GCW and beyond wrestling, I'd say is a pretty much a safe bet of something you'd want to watch to get acclimated with me. You know, if, if you're a first time, you know, viewer, somebody who's watching me for the first time. What about matches you haven't had? What about some dream matches? I know we talked about Ishii. Tell me here, Ishii. Maybe Mario Suzuki. What are you know, some like three matches? That's the saddest part about the losing of the WrestleMania because it was like it was such a like a once in a lifetime thing where all these matches were manifesting at one time, and I was I was willing it all into existence. I was supposed to wrestle uh, Shingo Takagi, who I've wanted to wrestle for years. That definitely was one of my dream matches. Um, enough, I mean, the, a huge one was another one that was was going to happen was me versus Minoru Suzuki, which was, I mean, that's 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 one of my all time bucket list matches. Um, the, uh, probably the all time greatest bucket list match of them all for me was going to happen, and they got canceled. Uh, it was going to be me and Joey versus the Great Muda, and we we still didn't know who his partner was going to be. But we were trying to get get it to be Chris Statlander. How about that? Hmm. Yeah, that was actually going to be a real match. <laughs> me and Joey Janela versus the Great Muda and Chris Statlander. We were we were trying to make that happen. Um, matches I want to have, I, I want to wrestle. Forget about it. I absolutely want to wrestle Tanahashi. I definitely want to wrestle. I mean, in in a dream world, if he ever comes back, I would love to wrestle Shibata. I mean, that that would be like one of my all-time favorite matches I could possibly have. Um, I really want to wrestle Ibushi. I think Ibushi's like on another level right now. I still really want to wrestle Minoru Suzuki. I really want to wrestle Yuji Nagata. So bad. Um, that's definitely one of my, my my dream matches for sure. You definitely Yuji Nagata. Um, there's a lot I could go up and down the whole New Japan roster to be honest. I think I think New Japan the New Japan roster is pretty loaded with guys that I I want to wrestle. Um, I feel like I've wrestled a lot of guys here in in this in this uh, in this country. I haven't I haven't wrestled. Uh, I've wrestled Fred before. I'm looking forward to our singles match, though. We've only re- we've only had a six man tag at the King of Trios for Chikara, so I'm looking forward to our singles match coming up. I'm looking forward to seeing how the other side plays out. Daivari, I, I've I've wanted to wrestle Mike Bennett for a while. Um, we we never actually we had a match once, but it was kind of like an angle mat that turned into a match, and it was it was a lot of fun. But I I, I really like having. Uh, just a one-on-one singles match with with Mike Bennett. I keep a close eye on the uh, on the Young Lions. I really like Carl Fredericks a lot. I really want to wrestle Carl. Um, Clark Connors. I want to wrestle Clark Connors. I think he's awesome. I think there's a, a lot of talent that New Japan's developing that's going to be they're going to they're going to blow people away in the future. So I mean, I want to kind of like get on the ground floor and be able to work with those guys. So uh, I like I like those dudes. There's there's so many wrestlers. I mean, I could go on on and on about people I want to wrestle. Uh, I mean, I'd love. I've, I never wrestled AJ actually. That would, that would be awesome. We're talking about AJ. I wrestled a lot of the uh, the top stars, the guys that are pretty much sitting on top of WWE. But I've never. I actually never wrestled AJ. That would be pretty dope. 
Yeah, and I think everyone will be looking forward to UWN Prime Time Live coming up Tuesday, of course, available on Fight TV and on your regular in-demand pay-per-view outlets. You versus Fred Rosser in the next round of the UWN World Title Tournament. Of course, on the other side of the bracket, Davari and Mike Bennett as well, like you mentioned. So good stuff there. But please, give us all your uh, social media plugs. I know you're not, you said you're not too active, but give us all your plugs out there. I'm pretty active. I just, I mean, uh, I guess I don't know if I'm, if I'd say my whole, you know, a lot of people live and die by like Twitter and their, their characters on there and their personalities on, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm just more of a down-to-earth type of, uh, type of guy. Mm-hmm. So you can follow me, um, on Instagram at born dirty, die dirty. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at dirty Dickinson. So those, those are, that's my Instagram and my Twitter. I try to stay as active as possible, but I think I definitely spend more time on Instagram. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me on there. And, and links to all my respective merchandise stores and T-shirts and all that stuff are always always being posted on there. Uh, support G-Code Supplements. That's one of my – that's like my – I guess you could say kind of a, kind of like my sponsor. They're, they're, they, they take pretty good care of me, and they got really good supplements. If you're into, like, working out, if you're into, like, working out, bodybuilding, kind of like urban apparel, they have, like, really cool clothes. They have really, really good supplements. So I would definitely check them out. Um, and yeah, pretty much, uh, please keep following the United Wrestling Network. Please keep showing your support for Game Changer Wrestling and, uh, anybody right now, anyone right now in the business, you know, whether I work for them or not, that's towing the line and keeping things going and trying to make things happen so that pro wrestling could stay alive during this time when live events really just have no opportunity to flourish past, you know, having these social distancing protocols and all of this, these restrictions. But, you know, if it's still, if you're still making it happen, I got nothing but love for you. Thanks for keeping the good time going. I appreciate it. And uh, I think everybody should appreciate that too. All right. Chris Dickinson, Possibly the future UWN World Heavyweight Champion. We'll see. We did. Uh, we did hear you are the one to watch. So let's uh, let's hope for that, and we'll see that. Chris, thank you for all the time. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.